Haunted Nights, live with Tamara Thorne and Alistair Cross. like to thank W.J. Pierce for creating and performing our music. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Thorn and Cross, Haunted Nights Live. We're your hosts, Alistair Cross and Tamara Thorne. Thank you for joining us. All right, before we introduce tonight's guest, um, I am going to turn it over to my co-host and collaborator, Tamara, who's going to tell you a little about Exorcism, which is our latest Ravencrest Saga collaboration. It just came out not too long ago. Yeah, midnight, the witching hour, watery echoes. I can't do this. <laughs> watery <laughs> echoes and an empty. I'm going to say sphincter again. I just know it. Um, midnight, the witching hour. Now I've got you giggling. Midnight, once more, the witching hour, watery echoes in an empty building. The grand Greek pool at Ravencrest Manor babbles and gurgles as chlorine scented water pumps, floating like cool blood in veins and arteries. The moon, full and high above the arch-glass ceiling, shines its light into the cobalt pool, casting splintered rays across the water, picking up golden highlights as it reflects on the constellations, the planets, the moons set into the bottom of the pool. A spring and a sunk from a tall diving board, then a splash as someone dives in, and somehow water explodes into the air. The sound ebbs and flows with movement. But if no human ear is present to hear it, no eye to see it, can these things be real? Or are they merely tricks of light and sound, courtesy of Mother Nature? Soft golden lamps flicker to life, and then music, faint but unmistakable, rises and echoes. Eddie Cantor, if you knew Susie, like I know Susie. Laughter, the sounds of a party, sometimes slithers and stirs beneath the water like glistening cold silk, there and gone again in an instant. All right. Um, you can find Exorcism as well as Book One, The Ghosts of Ravencrest, and Book Two, The Witches of Ravencrest, in ebook and paperback at Amazon and everywhere else books are sold. Uh, you're listening to Thorn and Cross, Haunted Nights Live, where your hosts, Alistair Cross and Tamara Thorne. You can learn more about what we do at our websites, alistaircross.com and tamarathorne.com. You can visit our mutual blog at thorneandcross.wordpress.com, or if you tweet, our handles are at CrossAlistair and at Tamara Thorne. You can visit our Haunted Nights Live page on Facebook, and uh, if you Instagram, you can find us on, at, at Thorn and Cross or my own Instagram account, which is at official underscore Alice, Alistair Cross. For more information on the show, you can visit Authors on the Air on Facebook, Twitter, and at AuthorsOnTheAir.com. This is a broadcast of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, LLC. And tonight, we are very excited to have with us one of our favorite people and writers. Uh, yeah, <laughs> a New York Times yeah. bestseller since his first publication at the age of 22. Christopher Rice is the author of Bone Music, Blood Echo, and the Bram Stoker finalist, The Heavens Rise and the Vines. Blood Victory, his third Burning Girl novel, uh, came out this month. Uh, he's an uh, Chris is an executive producer on the television adaptation of The Vampire Chronicles by Anne Rice, and he also collaborated with her on Ramsey's The Damned, The Passion of Cleopatra, a sequel to her phenomenally, phenomenally popular novel, The Mummy or Ramsey's The Damned. 
Uh, also, together with his best friend and producing partner, New York Times bestselling novelist Eric Shaw Quinn, he runs the podcast and video network, The Dinner Party Show, which you can find at thedinnerpartyshow.com. You can learn more about Christopher at ChristopherRiceBooks.com. So suffice it to say, this is a very busy man, and we are very, very mm-hmm. grateful uh, to have him. So welcome to the show, yeah. Chris. How are you? Nah, I wasn't that busy. I was just on Twitter. <laughs> I was, you know, five minutes ago. Oh, no, thank you. Thank you for actually reading the whole bio and for not getting any of it wrong. Um, I appreciate that. It's phenomenally that's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I almost got it wrong, yeah. Yeah, phenomenally oh, didn't come one. easy, but otherwise, yeah. That's a hard one, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a test. I, it's, a, I, it's a little trap yeah. I put in the bio to to uh, trip people up. No, I uh, thank you. I'm Yeah, as busy as people are allowed to be during these strange times that we are living through, that's for sure. But, right. yeah, I like to stay busy. I, I You know, I am an obsessive right writer. Yeah. I, I'm working on multiple projects at the same time for the first time. I'm working on multiple books at the same time, which is actually not something I've ever done before, like in the course of a writing day. And uh, it's uh, been an interesting right. experiment. Isn't it strange to do? We do that. I never thought I could. I, I Here's what made it work for or so far is they're very different books thematically mm-hmm. and they're also in different genres i don't know if i could write two scary books in one day i don't know if i could write uh you know two romantic books in one day so uh, that's how it's working for now now maybe i can progress and evolve but i um there are certain things that i think we all want to write us writers as creative mm-hmm. people and we reach a point where it's maybe not the first thing people are asking from us or it doesn't make the most sense given what we've already done but we want to do it anyway, so we have to carve out our own time to do it. And that, that was sort of where I, I got with this top secret thing I've been working on. And I thought, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to be somebody who has an afternoon project. And uh, All right. I'm now somebody who has an afternoon project. So there you go. <laughs> nice. <laughs> now, we were looking at uh, um, Blood Victory. This, is, this came out, right, like two days ago. Am I right? Two days ago, yes, absolutely. All right, all right. So this sounds this this sounds the whole the whole uh, series sounds fascinating, but this book in particular too. So, um, could could you tell us a little bit about the series and then a little about this book? Yeah, absolutely. I, this is um, this entire series is really my traumatic response to having somebody describe a scene from the first Saw film to me and being so (laughs) disturbed by it that I had to come up with a character who was capable in some way, either through a superpower or or I don't know, initially I thought maybe she's an alien, of being abducted by a horrible torture murderer, being confined by him, and then at the very moment where you think he's going to go to work on her, she is able to fight free of her restraints, really more like slip free of her restraints because she's that powerful, uh-huh. and just kick the holy hell out of the bastard. It was, it, Ooh, was a, nice. it was like a revenge fantasy against the ultimate horror movie killers that had traumatized me in the movies I'd watched when I was younger. And so <laughs> that's how uh-huh. Charlotte Rowe was born, and she, she is uh, Burning Girl is her nickname for reasons relating to her backstory, but She's introduced in the novel Bone Music. Uh, she comes back in Blood Echo. And this is her third outing. And I think 
what's interesting to, or what seems to be interesting to people who have been following the series is that the book one is an origin story. Book two is, they're all action driven thrillers, but book two mm-hmm. is really more about her sort of getting a new life and getting a new family and, and figuring out how her new life as a serial killing vigilante is going to fit with that. But then this is like, they are fun. This is, she's firing on all cylinders. This is a pure hunt. This is, she's got her resources uh, lined up. She's got, and she is after a truck driver who they know is abducting women, but they have no idea where he's taking them. So she has to make herself into one of his victims. She has to get him to take her. She knows that the, um, or the people she's working with knows that the, 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 the guy outfits the cargo bay of his truck to basically be a kind of gallery of torture on wheels. But they know nothing wow. about the destination because the guy is totally analog. He doesn't send emails about it. He doesn't text people about it. He doesn't, they figure he's working with something. But the point, the reason Charlotte is able to do all of this is because she is the only person on the planet in whom this experimental drug, Zyproxen, actually works. And what that means is that when she is terrified, she experience, it releases a chemical in her veins called paradrenaline, which gives her nice. about three hours of super strength. So this book is like the balancing act. She's got to trigger, but she's got to trigger at the right time because she wants to go to this guy's destination. And what that means is that it becomes a psychological endurance test for her being put through the rings of this guy's crazy torture circus in the back of his truck so that she can find out where he's going, what he's done. And, you know, God forbid, does he have other captives? Right, right. Nice. Excellent. Now, um, uh, this this character is is sounds very. How did you how did you develop her? Uh, well, once when I decided or realized, you know, that she was not going to be an alien, things really opened up for Charlotte. <laughs> I was really able to to because I, that was where I kept stalling out with the idea. Like I had this scene in my head, you know, she gets abducted, she fights her way out, she grabs the guy's wrist, she breaks it, she, you know, the tables are turning. But it mm-hmm. was like, how does she get there? And I would think, okay, she's, she's an alien or she's been enlisted by aliens and she's going out to farm stuff from serial killers that they want. I just, none of it worked. And I would always end up on a spaceship and then it would die. Then the idea would die. <laughs> so I went to lunch with, um, my best friend, Eric Shaw Quinn, who I, you mentioned, I do the dinner party show with, or TDPS mm-hmm. is our name for the kind of the whole network. And we were in Seattle and we had lunch with uh, a, a woman I was working with at Amazon Publishing. And I said, I've got this idea and it seems to be in line with a lot of the books that are working well for you guys. Tough woman hunts down serial killer ultimately prevails but there are aliens in it. <laughs> she said, well, it sounds like a good, the bones of a good idea. Why don't you get rid of the aliens? And I think it was Eric who said in that moment, um, what if it was a drug? And I was like, oh, wow. God. And then suddenly it was like, it's the simplest of suggestions and all the doors right, began right. to open because then she could suddenly be a human being. Like, I knew she was a survivor of violence. That I knew about her, and that was what drove her, her vigilanteism. But I didn't know what, what form it took. And with, uh, you know, she's just a human being who's administered this drug kind of against her will the first time and doesn't know what it's going right. to do and discovers what it does. 
uh-huh. that then she could be a lot of different things. Nice. Right. Nice. Uh, <laughs> I love it. So, so do you regret? Do you do you, do you regret getting rid of the alien aspect of it? <laughs> No, in a way I do, but I think the alien thing could live as another idea. Like I, that's what sure. I think the problem is. Is that I often have this. This will happen often with characters, not necessarily with ideas. Is that you'll realize somebody's in the wrong book because they're like mm-hmm. they're dragging right. all this weight into the story with them. That's like too much, and it's like I really like you, but and I think you're interesting, but I, you are not fitting into the story. And I think that's what the aliens were doing in the original Burning Girl idea. It was like, there may be something here, but you don't fit with this, and you are just a huge yeah. distraction. So I think they'll live another day. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's I, and, and I love the fact that you write kind of uh, outside of, you know, different genres. Um, there was a time apparently um, that, that that was like almost impossible to do. They, the yeah. publishers wanted you to really kind of stick to one thing. And I love the fact that now that's not necessarily true. Do you uh, feel that there's any major pros or cons to um, uh, going from genre to genre? I think the thing that you need to accept if you're going to do that is that a lot of the people who read you in one genre are not going to read you in another. I I think that there's that I I agree. I think that I, you know what I think really changed it was realizing or authors realizing or publishers realizing that if, that if you were going to have pen names, which is what they would typically suggest, you were going to have to keep social media accounts for all of those pen names, which was going to turn into a nightmare. (laughs) So I I think that people started to relax about it, but I think it has a lot to do with the digital bookshelf, right? I think that, you know, with so much retail happening for books happening on Amazon, that if you, you categorize all of your books together, I think the hope is that the branding of the individual title, the cover of the individual title will send a message about what it is. But I will say that, particularly in the genres that I move back and forth, like sexy and romantic on one side, scary mm-hmm. and suspenseful on the other side, there's, there's a middle ground there, which is romantic suspense, but it's, I, I haven't quite written anything that could be called romantic suspense. I've written erotic romance that has a strong paranormal element, and I've written uh-huh. really scary kind of dark thrillers. And so right. the, the people don't necessarily drift back and forth between that. And so it really, as a writer, it comes down to you got to do what makes you, what makes your heart sing. Like this is such yeah. a hard profession that if you're not writing stuff that you're excited about, you're going to be really miserable, you know, because I, I think there is right. a certain level of obsession that we all have to cultivate to keep going back to the computer every day that we, every day that we actually go to the computer that, that if it's not there with the, the subject matter of what we're doing, it's going to lead to a kind of collapse in inspiration. Absolutely. And you, you just used a word that I, I love that I think is ab- absolute truth. You, you said obsession. <clears throat> and mm-hmm. it, it's the absolute truth because you cannot I, – I don't know that anybody can really just go, you know, what makes sense? is to be a writer. Mm-hmm. I think you really do have right. to be obsessed with it. And uh, uh, could you expound on that? That's an interesting concept. Yeah. 
I, I had this realization today. I had to go out and run a big errand today. And I, one of the, the good things about being a writer during a pandemic is that not much has changed for you. <laughs> you know, like you're, you're at home all the time. You're battling the voices in your head, all of that stuff. But I was out today and I was driving and uh, um, the traffic is kind of coming back here in L.A. I don't know if it's because yeah. the case counts are going down or whatever, but there's actually some traffic on the road. And I was, you know, starting to drift into, as, as people with my temperament kind of do, reliving prior arguments with people. Let me call it that. <laughs> and then I very, right, very quickly mm-hmm. um, flipped over into uh, an imaginary argument that was going to be in my book, a scene. And I thought, you know, Christopher, I said to myself, you have a choice. <laughs> you can either relitigate actual arguments or you can make up an argument between fictional people in your head, a conflict, if you will, mm-hmm. that will be way lower stakes and might actually earn you some income and give you a creative outlet. And I sort of kind of think that's what it's about. There's, there's always right. in every writer, there is an underlying contempt for reality and the way reality <laughs> works. There is a desire to reshape reality. And I think that's, that's where the obsession comes from. Well said. I love, I love that. Uh, yeah. Do you, do you, now you have, uh, you come from a long line, or at least uh, both your parents were, you know, writers. Do you feel that this is something that you learned um, that because you were exposed to it, or do you think that this is like a genetic thing? The, the whole writing? Well, I think that I, both, I, I, but I also think a big piece of it is being exposed to reading. Early on, I think that growing up in a house with a lot of books, I mean, that's the thing. If you have the, if you have the germ of the gene, Mm -hmm. um, you, there needs to, I I think what brings it out early is reading a bunch in your youth. And I think that every writer has the story of the books that kind of saved their sanity when they were young. I know for my best Mm -hmm. friend, Eric Shaw Quinn, it was the Nancy Drew mysteries during a particularly difficult summer that he went through. Uh For me, it was a lot of Stephen King and also some Sidney Sheldon mixed in, you know, like being able to sort of disappear Uh from my discomfort into these imaginary Mm -hmm. worlds. And I think that helps. I think that really helps. But I think it also really helps to grow up in an environment where people are not treating it like it's a disease. Yeah. Right, right. Good point. Uh, yeah, and you know what? Mental, mental note here. I uh, we've never met Eric Shawquin. We would, you know what? We need to, yeah. we need to get him on the show. Yeah, we need to, we yeah. need to talk to him. The two yeah. of you. Yeah. Be, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that would be great. Yeah, seriously, let's do it. Seriously. Oh, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So, 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 yeah, we'll be in touch. But uh, okay, so back to blood <laughs> victory. Do you? Yeah. I know. Do you? Um. Uh. Are you continuing with it? Is there? Is this a trilogy or is this ongoing? Burning Girl series. I I will write uh, Charlotte Rowe as long as people will read her. I really will. That this is not a planned trilogy. I will say it that way. Yeah. I, you know. I think that I'll say this: that there is a character arc, or let's say a narrative arc with two characters that has played out over the course of the previous two books, that uh-huh. comes to a kind of fruition in this book. And so I feel like for me, that was gratifying. It was two characters that people really wanted to see kind of fall into an alliance and then fall into bed together. So that was, (laughs) that was, um, that happened, you know? And so it feels like a culmination of that. Yes. (laughs) That sounds great. 
Wow. Right. And and oh, aside from it. aside from the alien idea, can you tell us uh tell us what you can about uh the last idea that you had that you went, No, that's not gonna work. Can you just kinda kick it <laughs> to the curb? <laughs> Oh, there's so many though. So, there's so many. I mean, there are ideas for. You mean ideas for whole books, or ideas for like a scene in a in a in something? Whatever, anything. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think that I um, I uh, had an opportunity to pitch a new idea, and they wanted paranormal, which is something I've I've done pretty consistently for a few years now, and I was like, you know. Well, I'll, I'll just put it this way. It's a larger sort of question. I have always wanted to do a pure monster story, and I've mm-hmm. never been able to quite land on one that I think I can fully commit to. And, I, you know, like my version of Jaws, although with a monster yeah. right. movie, not, a, not as sort of natural, you know. Mm-hmm. And I um, went down, I mean, a paranormal podcast YouTube wormhole you know just looking Uh, for it and I thought you know I was looking at Bigfoot stuff I was looking I was listening to beyond reality and I was listening to coast to mm -hmm. coast and plugging my ears at some of the political stuff I didn't care for you know it was like yeah I was really (laughs) searching and I loved the world of it I loved uh, I loved being in that world where we're just going to what if anything is true we're just going to open our minds completely and all this sort of stuff and I and but the stuff yeah. that kept intriguing me was the monster literature and the people who would document all of the sightings of the Mothman and Lizardman and all this sort of stuff. And I know mm-hmm. that there is something for me there, but I have not yet found what it is. Oh, that right. sounds great. Well, I hope you do. Hope you do. Mm-hmm. One thing we we have to I have to ask you about I <laughs> uh, the bathroom mm-hmm. bookstore. This is hilarious, and I <laughs> I want you to tell our listeners what it is first and where they can find mm-hmm. it because I love this. It cracks me up. Like I laugh out loud. It's really just embarrassing. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm so glad. I'm so glad you enjoy it. It was really. I just did it on a whim, I, and it was the the name was something Eric Shaw Quinn came up with because I said to him, "Look, here's what I did. I was so bored when the pandemic first started. I said, I've got this bathroom. I've never understood why these ridiculous glass shelves are in it. It's this weird sort of porno adjacent bathroom that used to have used to have walls in it that slid open to the guest bedrooms. Like the guy that I bought this apartment from was just going to have, it was going to be like an eyes wide shut 24 seven up in this joint. Anyway. So, uh-huh. I, but it's, I don't know what these shelves are about. There are too many to put shampoo in. Like you would have to be a shampoo hoarder anyway. So, I, and the shower is a nightmare. The shower is in the center of the bathroom, which again, looks great in a porn film, but when you're showering, it's really cold. And so nothing about this works. So I thought, you know what? I'm overflowing with books here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna merchandise these glass shelves, and I'm going to. And I, I said, I put all these books. And Eric Sharquin said, you could play bookstore in your bathroom. And he actually went online and started looking for like a little shopping cart, like you'd get a child in Trader Joe's, you know, like the little kid uh-huh. cart. And I thought, I'm just going to do a little video about it. And the response was like, oh, my God, people just thought it was funny. I I think some of it was hilarious. It was maybe some coronavirus Internet content that was not, oh, my God, the world is ending. What are we going to do? I was just sort of this kind of snarky bitch about these shelves in this, you know, actually Uh quite expansive and lovely bathroom that I should be grateful to have. But anyway. 
So I did a feature title. <laughs> I, I would do a helpful tip that was about the idea is a writer has learned how to live and work from home. So we have some tips on, and the tips were always sort of borderline terrible, you know, like they weren't really helpful. They were, they were, you know, they were, they were like, I can't even remember them. And then I solicited tips and they all sort of were about parenting and they skirted the line of legality. So I had to start dropping those. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, a, it was a hoot. It was a hoot. So I'm, I'm glad people, I'm glad people are enjoying it. I posted on Instagram and on uh, my Facebook uh, fan page, which is uh, Christopher Rice, but has a blue check mark, and then Instagram. Oh God, what am I on Instagram? I should know this offhand. I think it's Christopher Rice, writer with periods. But I'll tell you right now, since we're live on the air. Um, okay, what am I? I am Christopher Period Rice Period writer. Yes, no, right. you are. Right. <laughs> Indeed, <laughs> it's, I highly recommend it. It's fantastic. It's just, it's just, you know, it's, it's just good stuff. <laughs> I love it. I'm All so right, um, <laughs> we're almost out of time, but uh, can you tell yeah. us? Can you tell us what you're working on now? I am working. No, actually, I can't. <laughs> I'm working <laughs> on two different books, and they're they're both under wraps, and um. They are one I don't think is something that people will be expecting of me, but I think the other one is something that people will probably be expecting. So how's that for Koi? Oh, I that's love a, it. That's a, that's a good answer. <laughs> All right. Um, one more time before we let you go, can you tell our listeners where they can find more about you and your uh, podcast and everything that you do, your books, all of it? Yeah, well, all the podcasts are at um, thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv. That's the Dinner Party Show's initials. Those, both those uh, mm-hmm. go to the same website. Uh, I think, well, I just gave you the Instagram, which is where I do bathroom bookstore. That's Christopher period Rice period writer. And then I have a Facebook fan page. It's really kind of the center of what I do. And I think that is um, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm looking it up. It's loading very slowly. I'm now like an old man on Facebook. <laughs> it, it, you just look for Christopher Rice in the blue check mark. I'm in the app, so it's not giving me the link. But yeah, and that's, um, I'm doing Twitter less, to be honest, because the majority of the people, yeah. other people who do Twitter, including the president, drive me insane. So I've dialed back on that a little bit. And, um, yeah. yeah, kind of a hostile environment. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. had to block him. <laughs> Good. Good plan. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> always. All right. Well, wow. you have been a pleasure as always. Um, we'll be in touch. Oh. Let's do it again. Yeah, Absolutely. Definitely. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, we love All having right, you. Absolutely. We do, and you know what? Okay, so yeah, you're welcome back anytime, and 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 I mean it. Let's do let's do uh, you and uh, Eric Shaw Quinn. Yeah, that'll be good. All right. Uh, Sounds like Eric, a plan. Uh, new, yeah. The new book is Blood Victory, and it is book three in the Burning Girl series by Christopher Rice, and uh, we'll get it now. All right. Uh, thank you, Chris, for being on. Um, it's always a pleasure to have you. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And until next week, we wish you haunted nights. And sweet screams. Thanks for listening.
Haunted Nights, live with Tamara Thorne and Alistair Cross. Yeah. 